and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show, brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org. Hope you will check out all the wonderful progressive Christian resources we have available for you there. I'm Caleb, and I'm here today with my good buddy, Mark. How are you doing today, Mark? Doing great, man. Doing great. Ready for the show. Ready for the show. Of course. Yeah. Highlight of my week, as always. Good to be with you, Mark. And uh, I hope you will all follow us on social media. Check out ProgressiveChristianity.org on social media. Check out the Moonshine Jesus Show on social media as well. And today we are going to be talking about Black Adam. It's a relatively mm. new release. Actually, I guess just last week. It is a new release. It so is, if you yeah. haven't seen it yet, here's something you got to know. We're going to spoil <laughs> it for you if you listen in. But, you know, Absolutely. it might also just pique your interest. You might hear us talking about the theology, the politics yep. of this. You're like, I got to go see Black Adam, man. Why not? I see Why it. not? Right? Yeah, Why I can not? see that happening. I can see that yeah. happening. Yeah. So stay, even, even if you haven't seen it, and we're going to spoil <laughs> right. it for you. It's just going to pique your interest more, uh, especially yeah. if you're drinking something like I knew Absolutely. Mark is. What are you drinking, Absolutely. Mark? Well, I, you know, I, I did a little research trying to figure out what to have. And then mm-hmm. I stumbled across the fact that um, Dwayne Johnson, the star of the show and the force behind 15 years behind making this happen, uh, yeah. he owns his own tequila. Uh, he, mm. It's his favorite drink. So I looked into what his favorite tequila drinks are. And so I'm having one of his favorite tequila drinks. It's called the Orchard Apple Margarita. Uh, his okay. tequila is called, his tequila is called, Terramana, which I could not find in North Carolina because the ABC regulations uh, in North Carolina yeah. are just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, it is apple juice, tequila, lime juice, and agave nectar mixed together. Uh, and so I put one together for myself. I actually have another one to go because I got a suspicion I'm going to like this thing. Uh, so <laughs> I, made, I made sure I had backup. What about you? What? Where did you go with this? Yeah, it sounds pretty good. I can see why you want a backup. So I've got... Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I thought, you know, Black Adam, I need a drink that is really dark. And this is yeah. a DC movie. It's always right. dark. And I thought, I, right. need, I need something dark. I like this. I like the direction yeah, and you're going. So I, I took a Black Russian and made it a, a Black Adam. So uh-huh. it's very dark. It's just I vodka like and Kahlua. And it's got, it's very, very dark, but it's also got it's a incredibly bit of red dark, in I- it. Yeah, can I you even see it? I can't see uh, through it at all. Yeah, it's very dark, and it's oh. it does have a little bit of red in it from the cocktail cherry, and that's because gotcha. Black Adam does an yeah. awful lot of killing. Uh, Absolutely, in the, in the Boy, so I needed a little bit of red in there I, too. So. I like the direction you went in, man. Very much. Thanks, that's thanks. very nice. Hey, cheers! Cheers. That's not bad at all. Mm. Tastes like fall. I like it. Tastes like fall. Very appropriate. Okay, well, let's have a few more sips, and then let's come back for our geeking out section. Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You have joined us for our Geeking Out segment where we're going to commence speaking about Black Adam just released this past weekend. It is uh, Dwayne 
the rock johnson's new entry his first entry into the dc universe and uh just to i'm gonna try my best to give you a synopsis of the show it is it's got so many things going on uh i'm gonna keep it as short as possible and i'm gonna miss a lot of things in doing so but basically in the ancient middle eastern town of uh Kondok, there's a gentleman by the name of teth adams and was bestowed with the almighty powers of the gods and became Black Adam. And after these uh, powers, using the powers for vengeance, he ends up being imprisoned. And over those next 5,000 years, the, uh, the the people of Kondak basically take him from man to myth to legend. And in the modern times, there's this person who's on a quest to locate the crown of Sabak, which is uh, made from this rail element called Eternium, <laughs> come on, uh, called Eternium, yeah. which is only found, of course, in Kondak. And uh, the person who's doing it is archaeologist Adriana Tomas, and she unwittingly releases Black Adam from his prison, where he finds his hometown is being oppressed by intergang who are trying to corner the market on Eternium and brings his, uh, well, let's call him unique form of justice, born out of rage to try to destroy them. And his efforts are complicated by four members of the Justice Society arriving. And in the end, he ends up needing to face down the inner gang's leader who acquired the uh, Eternium crown and becomes the reincarnation of Sabak. Uh, I, I, did I do at least some justice to the storyline? Is there so much going on? Like, this is the weirdest... There's so much going on. And at the same time, when you watch the movie, the plot seems so freaking simple. Like, it's like, uh, like, <laughs> like I, I, bad, bad man gets powers and now bad man mad because people trying to hurt people from my, my country. So bad man hurt you bad. I don't, I mean, ultimately it feels like that's the story. But it's actually sort of complicated at the same time. How does that happen? Help me, Caleb. I think that this is emblematic of everything that the DC extended universe does, right? right. Like you've got yeah. this, you've got something that is pretty complicated and ultimately maybe not super appealing to anyone. Although, right. you know, this movie really has split. Uh, both criti uh, critics and audiences. There's a huge gap no. in like the oh, massive. Uh, rotten now, yeah on the now, Rotten Tomato score. Part part of that's because of the way Rotten Tomato scores it. If you actually look at uh, the scale of one to ten, the critics actually have ranked it five point one, but because of the way they look at whether the overall review was good or bad, they give it. I think it's like a thirty seven or a thirty nine uh, in their overall ranking. But if you look at the percentage of who said it was good and bad, it's actually slightly. I mean, it, it's slightly it's bad. not bad. There, I, yeah, because I think the I think the tomato the the Rotten Tomato score for uh, critics is something like fifty two percent or something like that. Maybe has maybe, it gotten up uh, that high now? I think so, but I think okay. the audience score is like ninety percent. Oh yeah, and so the like audience audiences, yeah, well, audiences like liked I, it. I mean, and, it's kind of understandable. I mean, for yeah. for me, you and I have already started talking yeah. a little bit about this, and we stand slightly differently. Unlike frequently, we both just kind of like this is incredible. Um, yeah. For for me, I really feel like the storyline was it, it it had so much. It was trying to be too much, 
and at the same time didn't because of that. It never gave any part of the story enough concentration to make the, the various lines matter. So th- I think that's why, to me, it comes off as this overly simplistic story in the way it ends up being told, even though there's all these elements that could have been fleshed out. Um, I also feel like they, like they, there's no character development outside of Black Adam. Um, we get a, a several yeah. different folks that show up. Even Sabak, the big bad guy that ends yeah. up in the end, who he has to defeat. We get no real backstory on him. And so I don't really care that Black Adam's fighting him one way or the other, ultimately. And then even our Justice League, we there's no backstory to the Justice League who shows up. And I think that is actually necessary. Um, and because of it, I think the, the, the two youngest members of the Justice League, um, Adam Smasher and Cyclone, I, they are somewhat interesting characters, or at least could be, but we don't get enough backstory to really care. And they don't put them in the story in any way. Like, serious question. If either of those two weren't there, would it have changed the story? No, it wouldn't have. And so I think this is my major complaint about the movie. I I liked it because I thought it was fun. And as you and I already discussed, even a mediocre uh, DCEU film is a good DCEU film (laughs) because they have had terrible, a terrible track record. Yeah, but absolutely. this one of my complaints about the the way that I think that they tend to that the DCEU tends to introduce people is uh, and a difference between Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Marvel introduces characters often one at a time, like major right. characters, right? They get their own movie, and then yep. you know you meet, uh, and then the way you meet other characters is either by an introduction through their own movie or an introduction in another movie. And yeah. so this one, we got. All of the characters are new, right? right. We, we've not had everybody. anyone. Everybody is new, mm-hmm. with the exception of the cameo of Superman in the mid credit uh, scene. And right. so, like, even when Dr. Fate died... Uh, you mean Dr. Strange? Who, oh, no, 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 no Dr. No, Fate in, oh, yeah, in, in, uh, in Black Are you Adam, sure? Are was, you sure? Okay, you're right. It is Dr. Fate. But boy, yeah. he, he, was, he was Dr. Strange. So let's just be honest. <laughs> He was he was Doctor Strange with the helmet. I'm just saying, like <laughs> well, even the way, like the all this, like all the things yes. he did are things that Doctor Strange has already yes. done. And even the way that they visually communicated what his powers were looked like some of the stuff that Doctor Strange learned in the Mirror Universe and used. I mean. Uh, right, uh, so this is the thing with the DCEU and uh, or or DC and Marvel generally, right? right? Is a lot of their characters develop at the same time, kind of in competition with each other, and so yeah, right. it's true. Doctor Doctor Fate is the DC equivalent of Doctor Strange. But, they, but here's they, the thing: we care about Doctor Strange because right. he had a movie, right? And right. he was in the MCU. Doctor Fate is one of my favorite DC characters. Pretty and, interesting. And. And I love I love Pierce Brosnan too. He's right? incredible. As a matter of fact, I, he's the only yeah. thing that makes Doctor Fate work. He is so good. Without us good. having any backstory, his his ability to to communicate emotion through just the smallest movement in his face. Like I actually I actually liked the character of Doctor F- Strange Fate. And because um, <laughs> let's see, Doctor like, Strange Fate. I like that Doctor. I, I think I think part of the problem. I, I keep calling that up because I think part of the problem of this movie is, yeah. yeah, of course they were developed about the same time and they're kind of competing yeah. characters. But there are ways that you can make him not a derivative of Doctor Strange. Like you didn't need to use the fractals in the way that he presented his magic. 
when Doctor Strange has already done that. You could have chosen yeah. a lot of other routes. And I think they did that over and over and again. Lots of this movie, to me, felt like it was a derivative of other movies that already exist, even in the way that they presented things. And that's where I struggled. Now, I will say, yeah. I did ultimately like the movie more than I mm -hmm. did it. I yeah. my my response uh, earlier was when we were talking about it is yeah it was a pretty okayish movie like ultimately yeah. it was entertaining like there was nothing there's no reason right. not to watch this movie it's just not it's it's not uh, like a high well done movie and it had yeah. so many opportunities to be really interesting and engaging yeah I I think you're right it, and it, it, I mean one of the ways that it was maybe more engaging than a lot of DCEU movies is that. Um, it, it there was humor it was dark and there were still like all the typical dc kind of things right. about dark and anti-hero and all the stuff that it's has really begun to feel very old but um but but there was humor that that broke it up a little bit and i i thought that that was helpful but here's one thing that i didn't get mark and i need your help because yeah. I, I i don't oh, no. get this i don't know if i can I, <laughs> Remember, I mean, you I liked the movie more than I did. So we'll I know, see. but he, <laughs> we'll, I'm not we'll selling see. that, am I, Mark? I'm really not selling it. We'll but, see. Uh, so I get that this was like a pet project of The Rock and that he'd Absolutely. been trying to do this for a long time. And 15 years, been, 15 and years. There had been discussion when Shazam came out about him being like the bad guy in Shazam. But here's yeah. what I don't understand. Like his powers are linked to Shazam's. Right, right. I know where you're Why going. Why is Shazam nowhere in this movie? I mean, wouldn't it, it have may... made sense to introduce yeah. Black Adam yeah. with Shazam? Or why didn't it, there's a new Shazam it, movie yeah. coming out? Why aren't right. they tied together? It, it, I don't it, get it. It literally makes no sense at all. Um, and, and, and because he gets his powers from the same people that Shazam gets his powers from, and he uses the word Shazam. I, it, yeah, the only reason. Yeah. The only reason this is my the only reason Shazam doesn't show up is because of the mid scene credits scene that we got. It's because Rock, The Rock wanted to have a movie where he fights Superman, and if Shazam shows up, then the higher ups, the people in charge, are going to go. Well, you should fight Shazam first before you fight Superman. Half the reason this movie was made, I am certain, is called Dwayne Johnson. Wants to be in a movie where he fights Superman and maybe even wins. I don't know. But that's the whole reason Shazam didn't show up. I don't care what anyone says. I That is 100%. Because the moment he puts Shazam in this movie, then everyone says, well, the first, clearly the first person he needs to have a battle with is, is Shazam. I mean... And, and maybe they're trying off? to keep maybe they're trying to keep Henry Cavill in the uh, in DC extended universe as well because there's been a lot of well, talk about him uh, like some kind of some kind of additional the, movie because the, I mean his fate yeah. his fate in the DCEU mm -hmm. has been kind of up for grabs and he's been flirting right. flirting with Marvel and there's been talk of him like as the next James Bond James maybe Bond. well here's the thing the yeah. DC the, the current showrunners at DC don't want him to be the Superman. Uh, Dwayne had to Johnson had to go over their head to get him to make this cameo. He made the cameo, but he has no contract. There is there are no the uh, uh, um what was his the name of his movie the uh, Man, Man of, of Steel. Steel yeah yeah Man of Steel two 
there's not even a writers working on this. They're not that interested in this project. Dwayne, the rock Johnson is who's interested in this project. He's the one that's trying to make it happen. And, and that's what I really do think that's why we don't, we don't end up with, um, with Shazam in it. And, and it's a sad because he was been a natural tie in and, and would have helped lighten the show a bit. And it could have been mm-hmm. fun to see the disparity between a ch- the child who has, who has this bright kind of anything could happen and anything's possible perspective of a superhero. And then this superhero that's all about vengeance. And, and I, you know, I kill people. That's uh, he says, you know, I kill people. Uh, that's one of the things I, it's, this movie is so unaware of itself and the universe it sits in. Hawkman tells him, in this world, there are heroes and there are villains. Mm-hmm. Heroes don't kill people. My first thought was, really? I mean, aren't you in the DC universe? Have you seen any DC <laughs> universe like movies? Heroes kill people. Like It happens all the time. Heroes definitely kill people. Like It was the most ridiculous. I was like... Are they serious? Like, are they trying to all? Why are they all trying sudden trying to sell this line? Because that's not real for this universe. I mean, it's not right. It's not, and I think that speaks to one of the bigger problems about like the the fate of the DC uh, extended universe and all is I don't think it has a clue who it is and what it's trying to be, other than it wants to do what Marvel has done. Like right. if there's a way that it can do right. what Marvel has done and get the kind of money yeah. that Marvel has made, that's what they want to do. But yeah. like the the they, Snyderverse the, that they have built is not, I, I yeah. think, conducive. The Snyder Snyderverse isn't going to happen. The fact that we saw Superman show up in his classic red and blue and yellow suit, yeah. we we make that it's clear. But I agree with you. I think the second thing this movie wants, besides trying to set up uh, the Rock having a battle with uh, Superman is that it wants to introduce the Justice League of America so that you can have this kind of um, Avengers universe happening. And it, it seems to try to do that. It was a weird selection of folks that it picked to lead that, but that's, that yeah, is. Yeah, the Justice Society, right? Because we've done right. the Justice League. That, Me, that wasn't so successful. We yeah, didn't make that, that work. Successful. So we're going to go back before <laughs> Justice League and go to Justice Society of America and introduce that, which was a lot more folks than the Justice League really ever had and so it, it, that's an interesting choice we'll see what happens there but i i will say yes i it was a good enough movie it was okayish enough but i'm gonna say man i felt the cinematography in this movie was fantastic i absolutely yeah. i visually loved this movie i love the color scheme i love yeah. the depth of it i love the framing of it uh it was beautifully and and interestingly done the cinematography actually gave us some of the like made us care about characters in a way that, that their lack of backstory um was was preventing us to, to 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 have that ability and i i that was for me the outstanding part of the movie cinematography was just on point it wasn't this flat shiny overly done marvel universe uh, cinematography that we get and, and those are beautiful graphics this felt real it felt like a movie it felt deep and textured and I, I really appreciated that about it quite a bit I think so too and uh, just uh, in, in terms of costuming because uh, I, oh, I did yeah. like Dr. Dr. Fate was my was uh, Dr. Strange Fate whatever you want to call him I, I he was yeah. my favorite and I like Dr. Fate 
in the comics well, as well. I think he's a, yeah. but Pierce Brosnan, this I think still speaks to, to Pierce Brosnan and costume is he incorporated a couple of his own pieces of jewelry into that costume. I think to, oh. to talk about what you're to expand on what you're talking yeah. about, about how it felt real is he incorporated mm -hmm. his own wedding ring and his own timepiece. That's this oh, classic okay. timepiece and thinking yep. about, uh, you know, Dr. Fate being able to see through different times, which I thought was kind of an interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting that that's was kind of like one of your favorite DC heroes. One of my favorite DC heroes happened to be Hawkman. And so really? him being there was really cool. I, hmm. I kind of geeked out through all of that. But is another reason why I kept paying attention to backstories because Hawkman has a couple of different backstories that developed because of he's been around since 1940 something. Um, but he was my favorite and I really loved seeing him there. And I thought uh, Aldous Hodge did an incredible job trying to make something of a character that wasn't given enough time. Um, but anyway, we know that we tend to geek out and keep going and we could do we that would. for probably another mm -hmm. hour if, if, if we allowed ourselves that. But we that's would. not really what the show ultimately is about. What this show is about is taking uh, these science fiction, fantasy, pop culture items and recognizing how that mode of storytelling allows us to investigate theological and political perspectives that can um, and improve who we understand God to be in our spiritual life, as well as who we are in this world and the politics that are there. So let's go ahead and uh, let go of our geeking out and come back into our theopolitical segment. Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are entering our Theopolitico segment, but before we do, I've got to know, Mark, did you pour yourself another drink? Was it good enough that you finished the first one? You know, the glass the was a little one? larger than I thought it was, but during this segment, you might hear, hear a little gurgle gurgle because I am getting very close to the bottom. It is <laughs> very good. I like it. Like I said, it tastes like fall. It's kind of like, yeah, a, a fall tequila. I like it. Yeah. Great, great. Okay, so here's one of the themes that really stuck out at me, Mark, and I want your yeah. perspective on this. So I think one of the main themes of Black Adam is this um, this occupation, this continuous occupation sure. of the place where they are living. And we see different oppressors over time take over this place. And so this made me think, of course, about ancient Judea. And once uh, once the Judeans had been uh, had been conquered, then their land was occupied continuously after that, with the exception right. of the Maccabean Revolt and the few decades right. that followed. And then yeah. they were occupied by the Romans, right? right? So whenever Jesus comes along, it's these centuries of occupation and being under and the thumb of the Roman. That's right, yeah. under the thumb of the Roman Empire. Whenever he is, uh, whenever he's coming of age, and then in his ministry, and so Christianity forms as a people who are oppressed, people Absolutely. who are marginalized, yeah. uh, people who are living in an occupied land. Okay, yep. so that's that's the way that Christianity forms. And then Christianity ultimately becomes oh. the empire itself. 
Yep. Right. So, so here's what I want to know, Mark, because I think Christianity is really functioning as empire today. Yep. Can Christianity function properly when Christians are the ones who are in power? Oh, what absolutely not. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. I mean, I, I, I want to be idealistic and say, yes, yeah. if we get back to our roots and understand who we really are and uh, begin to, um, you know, study theology from folks who are outsiders for who are being oppressed who are being marginalized if we do that i want to be idealistic and say if we are are willing to do that then we will learn be able to understand more fully who we're supposed to be and live into it but let's let's be honest absolute power corrupts absolutely and we you're you're you nailed it the christian faith is uh, a, a, a power structure now and um it operates that way. That's why we have white Christian nationalists who are um, really completely at this point, the power has corrupted so much that you, they are, they are ignoring the text uh, that would tell them that the, all the things that they're doing stand over and against the teachings of Jesus. Uh, so no, I, I, I'm actually sort of glad to see, and, and, and people I, go ahead and send me the hate mail. It's Mark Sandlin at yahoo.com. Just go ahead and <laughs> that's brave that of me, Mark. Because yeah. go, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, uh, I'm glad the church is dying. Um, it needs to, it's, it's become too power obsessed uh, and too powerful. Uh, Christianity works better from the margins. It, it works better uh, when it's aligning itself with uh, the marginalized. And for far too long, it's not been willing to do that. It's been willing to throw money at the marginalized and do charity, but it's not been willing enough overall. There, there are certain exceptions, but overall to do justice. And I think when it loses its power, it's much more likely to realize how aligned the teachings of Jesus are with the marginalized and with those who are oppressed. And it's more likely to live into what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think that's uh, that's very right, that, that Christianity works best from the margins. Uh, however, I, I think that there are those of us who find ourselves as Christians in the United States Right, uh, the, right, uh, an empire, and that Christian, and we find ourselves as Christians who are also empire. Christianity has also been a major cause of empire, and mm. uh, and I think that you're right. One of the things that we can do in the midst of all that is try to bring in marginalized voices and try to be aware of the context in which Christianity was formed, uh, right? Because I, I because I I don't think that. I, even though the church maybe is dying and uh, that. Oh, it's right definitely now, dying. The numbers are very clear. It is dying. Or at least institutional religion is dying. Uh, whether or not Christianity as a whole is dying, I, I think. Uh, it is dying. Uh, let's, let's it's transforming. Let's slip. <laughs> I'm going to say something that actually I think is better. I think it's being marginalized, which is like perfect. Christianity is not dying as much as as ultimately true Christianity is being marginalized, which I think is going to give it life. I, I think it's exactly like the upside down, down God that we try to understand to teach us how alive the church can be through a dying church. I hope that there is more authentic Christianity coming forth in the way that you that you speak about. I hope that the kind of Christianity that survives is not the kind of Christianity that is like uh, the Christianity that's been the most vocal kind of Christianity right. over oh, the yeah. past 
40 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, because there are so many people who I think don't want to identify as Christians at all because that's the only narrative that they've heard. So I hope that yeah. like a truer more marginalized form of Christianity that speaks uh, about justice and, and peace right. is the kind of Christianity that is emerging. Because I, I agree with you. I think that's the only kind of Christianity that really deserves to survive because the rest of it isn't authentic to Jesus at all. Um, oh, yeah, for, for the very reasons that we've talked about, you know, because it's it's the kind of religion that has oppressed people and, yeah. and uh, made people feel marginalized rather than empower people and give them hope for the creation of a different kind of society, a different kind of world where people are treated more fairly. So oh, I, I hope you're right, Mark. I hope that's the kind of Christianity that comes forth in the midst of this. Trend. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, in the Christianity about life after death, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't mean... I don't mean you know, like actual me life after death, yeah. But I'm me. just saying, like, oh. it's not surprising that a, a religion that a lot of the core theology is about how you can have life after death is at a place now where it embraced power and is becoming a, a mockery of itself. It's not surprising that its best hope is to die so that it can be reborn into what it should be. I mean, there's some, I, I some beautiful yeah. universal poetry in that, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right, that in order to, to be reborn, that this form has to die. And that is, right. I think, you're right, the central message of the faith, that, that sometimes things have to die to be resurrected right. in a better form. So yeah. I hope it's that... Even, it's even that there's hope in death. Like, mm. death is such a frightful and fearful thing for us, and there is such a beautiful in, uh, message that we all need to have in our lives to recognize that there's actually hope in death, that hope isn't an ending, that hope is a new beginning. Uh, not hope, but death is not an ending. Death is a new beginning. And that because of the reality of that, it, there is, is a hopeful element of, of endings. And yeah. it's because it's, it's so easy to get... Uh, caught up in um endings being negative and and we we yeah. need to recognize i think it spiritually is important that we have that understanding that there's hope yeah. after death yeah and i i like this thought of of transformation in the midst of it all too and right. you know that yeah. that the the great emergence that phyllis tickle wrote about probably 15 years ago Fantastic, now right, that, right. And that the church's great rummage sale where every yeah. 500 years or so the church gets rid of old God. outdated ideas and ultimately the church is fine on the other side or christianity is fine on the other side it just lives into a, a new a new method of being and i think yeah. certainly if the past hundred years have showed us anything it's that christianity really does need uh, a new form of being uh certainly oh, longer it, than yeah. that but the united states as as the religious right has hijacked the narrative i think yep. it's certainly true that we we really need another way of being hey so there's something else i want to ask you before we yeah. run out of time on this segment um so uh, another question that we yeah. or another statement that we get in in this movie is uh hawkman saying there is no we Right. There are just heroes and villains. I think this may have been the same speech that you were talking about earlier where he said it we was. Don't kill people. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there there are just heroes and villains. Is life that dichotomous? I mean, are people either good or bad? Uh, right. 
what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, what do you think I about mean, the setup for that. I mean, ob- obviously not. Uh, and, and that's a statement that's really, uh, it's a statement that that you're more likely to hear coming from people who have the power than people mm-hmm. who don't have the power. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite one of my favorite lines in it is uh, yeah. Adriana, um, okay. when the Justice League shows up and they're trying to stop the uh, Black Adam, who's in in the eyes of the people are are saving them, and she says, right. "You like to split the world into good and bad, but that's easy to do when you're the one drawing the line, mm-hmm. because yeah. you you have the power to define who's in and who's out." So I, I yeah no that that is not a reasonable statement. It's clearly there there, I mean that's kind of the point of the whole movie. Is like, uh, what is a hero? Like yeah. th- does a ha- hero have to what 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 are the um, the morals the the bylines the laws that a hero has to live into, and are they always so cut and dry and shiny, or is it sometimes necessary to stand up and be loud uh, yeah. to make and, and change happen. Uh, the, the, the folks in power like to make it cut and dry and like to say, no, you have to be either really, really good or really, really bad because that allows them to keep people in their place and not to be able to access things, at least in terms of, of pointing fingers and saying, you're doing a horrible thing. You shouldn't be um, uh, protesting in the streets because that's not morally a, a positive thing. So no, I think it's a line that the, the that the powerful like to draw because it allows them to stay in power. I, I think that's a great point, and especially because the the people who were oppressed in the film they were exactly right. Nobody was there, even though right. this no. the, these uh, the inner gang. I mean, you know, inter gang. That's uh, right. they uh, they didn't get super creative on that name. It was meant to show us like they were evil, right? Justice yeah, Society right. didn't care until there was someone who they perceived as threatening to their own power uh, exactly. who was there, even exactly. if it was someone who was liberating. And I think that's that there are parallels to the gospel on that too, right? right. The, the reason that, that the Romans cared about Jesus was because he was raising was up the rabble. Yeah, yep. that's right. It, was it a... wasn't violent in the same yeah. way that Black Adam no. was. It was nonviolent no. resistance, but Absolutely. he was getting people to you know the rabble rallied up uh yep. and uh and they executed him for for insurrection because he was yeah look in ancient rome in ancient rome they didn't they didn't nail you to a tree for being a nice person they, they did they not. nailed they nailed you to a tree for being a threat to the empire that's right that's right if jesus had just gone around talking about an afterlife Right. Or if he'd just gone around giving like traditional interpretations of scripture, or if he'd just mm-hmm. gone around like being a faith healer, because there were a right. lot of those, no one would have cared. No. And so the thing that that's what most Christians think that Jesus was uh, right. is blasphemous right. more than anything right. else. Because if he had done those things, he wouldn't have gotten crucified because the Romans right. wouldn't have Not cared because he wouldn't have been a threat. Yeah, uh, there was only one reason. Fine. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was only one reason they killed you because you were a threat to their power. That's the only yep. reason. Yeah, you're yep. right, man. You're completely right. Hey, Mark, there's a lot in here, and I would really love to delve <laughs> more both into the geekiness right? of all this and into the political themes. Me but... too, man. There's so much we haven't talked about, but we do have time constraints. 
That's right. And we really do have to try and make each other look stupid. Oh, that's uh, it's nice. the highlight wow. of my week to try Absolutely. and do this, Mark. <laughs> so, Absolutely. How about this? <laughs> Why don't we take a break, pour ourselves some more to drink, and come back and try and make each other look stupid? <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to our final segment of the Moonshine Jesus Show. This is a segment where we attempt to make our co-host, who we care much about, Absolutely. look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Caleb, I'm usually benevolent, but you weren't benevolent last week, so there's no way in hell I'm being that. benevolent this week. <laughs> um, so, I, actually, All the right. reason I'm not, the actual reason is because I want to finish the show on a high note, and my question I'm not sure it would be the high note. So uh, <laughs> here's my question. So uh, you you know that um, I feel like there's a lot of issues with this movie. Um, and I, 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 it turns out. And I, I do feel like they really are sort of not aware of themselves within the MCU, which, which is one of the things that the Marvel Universe does great. At any show that you watch with Marvel, they're very aware of the larger universe and how they plug into it and they address it well. I, I'm going to ask you a question about one of the things where as soon as it happened, I was like, what the hell? Do they not understand what? So why, why is the Justice Society working with or for Amanda Waller? I mean, Amanda Waller is a black ops kind of crime fighter yeah. you know, she does the suicide squad she does the yeah. uh, uh, task force x why is the justice society i mean why <laughs> because, do they, i don't understand i really like it was one of those moments i was like wait a minute why why is she sending how are they working i don't what it, it makes no logical sense other than they're trying to they're trying to be the MCU and they're trying to make Amanda Waller into Samuel L. Jackson's character okay. in the MCU. Right, yeah. right the, yeah. the coordinator of things. And but but uh, up until they, this point, uh, like like up until this point, she hasn't been. She's been this outsider. I mean, it'd make a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense that at the 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 mid trailer uh thing that we got. Yeah that she was trying to um, get close to Black Adam because he right. is the kind of character that she aligns herself with. That's right. Yeah. But they have the movie, have her sending people to stop him. I I, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, it, this, this is emblematic of the, uh, you named it, the, of the, of the lack of self-awareness of the DCEU. Yeah. That yeah, fair enough. They that uh, that they they don't know what the what or who they're trying to be. And in terms yeah, of the comic that's books, right. that's right. That that Amanda Waller usually does usually uses kind of the bad guys. You're right, right. to try try yeah. and make this stuff. And so she she usually has nothing to do with uh, things like a Justice Society or or the Justice League mm -hmm. because uh, the heroes in the DC universe have always kind of controlled themselves and used their own self-restraint 
And so, uh, right, Superman has always traditionally been kind of this beacon of hope. Well, in mm. the current DCEU, he's a super dark, brooding kind of character, right? Like right. a paradigm shift for Superman. Yeah. Batman yeah. has always used this kind of self-control. He's always had these very strong lines, like he's not going to kill people. Well, in the DCEU, he doesn't care about he that. Does, no, and and so I think maybe the reason she's involved is because right now, currently, in the DCEU, it's all, all dark. Of, all of them. Are anti-heroes? Well, there isn't well, really. I, I, is there? I, I, is there a really I hear, good I, hero? I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I do think that the Justice Society that they presented those four characters didn't, at least in the way they were presented. It's the first time we saw them, yeah. at least sure. in the way they were presented here, didn't have a particularly dark side, and they did think, at least think, that they were trying to serve a higher justice. And so it's just weird that they're following her. I, I will say though. Viola Davis, who 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 uh, plays Amanda Waller, yeah, was amazing. Like, had so little screen time, but was probably the best in the entire movie. Like, well, yeah, I, I so incredible. An actual actor. I, I mean, no, not right? the, the other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh not, to, hey, not to criticize hey, uh, the other people. Uh, but... uh, 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 Caleb, can you give Dwayne Johnson your email? I want him to contact you on that. <laughs> can, what yeah, what is that you... again? What is <laughs> right, I, I mean, she, she's an Academy Award winner, right? Uh, she's, she's unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean she, she has a lot of clout. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. so I think it makes sense to give kind yeah. of the most decorated actor in your uh screen time i i mean you're right it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of logical sense there's not really a good justifiable answer for why she's all of a sudden controlling the justice society justice it's a society. it's it's just kind of stupid uh, it really is yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um yeah. okay it was, so a, I've got... it was a slap in the face it was a slap it... in the face for me i was like brr, 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 what oh, what <laughs> Okay, so I don't know that this is going to end us on a high note, Mark, but it's a question. Oh, man, I was, I was counting on you. I was but counting on you. It's, it's a question I was sitting in the theater, okay. and uh, and it was like, I wonder what Mark would have to say about this. Uh-oh. And so, it sounds like trouble. <laughs> always, always. Okay, so <laughs> so the, the boy helps, uh, Dar- helps uh, Black Adam try and come up with a catchphrase. Oh, and, yeah. And so, like, you, you tell know, him the man whole, in black sent you. <laughs> tell him the man in black sent you. And it's a whole thing. He's trying to get it right. You you, right. you say it right before you kill someone, right, not after. Right. <laughs> not after. Know, not right, right. Yeah, right, right before. And so, um, I wonder, Mark, yeah. what yeah. is your catchphrase? If you had a catchphrase, Mark, what oh, wow. would it be? Man, that is a great question. I know. Uh, Oh man, I, I, I'm going to have to come up with something, and I'm not going to be pleased with it in an hour from now. What was my catchphrase? <laughs> okay, how about this? No. How about how about uh, you get like ten seconds to come up yeah. with one, and then you yeah. reflect on it, and you come back next week, and next if week, you have a better one, you can you can come back and and you can give us your catchphrase, your your new catchphrase. Okay. My okay. catchphrase, because one, recognize that I don't consider myself a superhero, so it doesn't have to be a superhero catchphrase. It can uh, be my, ca- yeah. my catchphrase is, uh, oh God, it's good. there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to be good. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, I should have started the countdown or a drum roll. All right. That, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. My catchphrase is um, justice served is love served. I don't know. That's the best just, I can quote right now. I, I like that. You know, if you, and if you say it, justice served is love served. That's the best <laughs> I can a, come up with. I, I on like the it. heat. In the heat of the moment, that's the best I can I can come up with. So, but I, hey, I, you've had more time to think about it than me. What's your catchphrase? You know, what's funny is I I didn't ever. Whenever I thought of that, I, I thought of sending it to you, and I didn't even think about what I would say in return. <laughs> and so, so while you, so while hey, you were so, stalling, so, while so you just, were stalling, I came so up just with like something. so just like Jesus, I'm flipping the tables. Flipping the tables. Flipping them over. Okay, so here's what my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, here's oh, what okay. she always says my catchphrase is. Okay. I always say, it'll, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be, <laughs> it'll fine. be fine. And you know what? It always is. It always Fair is enough. fine. So that's Fair that's enough. that's my philosophy. You know, <laughs> like change it. the things you can. Don't worry about the rest of it. So, I like it. I like uh, it. Mark, it's been fun talking about Black Adam. You know, I know it, it's kind of it a, a mediocre movie. I liked it more right. than you did, but it, right. but it was, it was kind of a fun movie. It, it was some meat on those theological bones. And there? and man, I really think we could have talked for another half hour or more. There's so many things that we were, we didn't talk about. So, yeah, I, I was. This was fun. This was fun. It was, but we better tell everybody uh, what we're going to watch next week. And you know, uh, it might be kind of fun. To, mm-hmm. to talk about something for Halloween. Isn't next week Halloween? Yeah, oh, we like will actually next, be... Yeah, next we'll Monday. be broad... Yeah, next Monday. We'll be broadcasting yeah. live on Halloween. So I'm with you. It kind of makes sense that we do something that's got a little darker, more horror uh-huh. edge to it. And yeah. there's this movie that came out this year on Amazon. Uh, it's called Life, Last Night in Soho. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's by Edgar Wright, who's, who's a great writer. And it's a psychological thriller. It follows a young woman mysteriously able to uh, sort of enter into sort of the glamorous 1960s through dreams and that kind of thing. Um, but they start splintering. Like at first it's all good, but then the dream starts splintering and it starts getting darker and she gets more caught up in it and more, I think from what I'm seeing, unable to escape from that um, altered reality. So uh, it, it sounds like a kind of perfect for our show on Halloween. I think that's right. And you know what? As you're describing it, I'm remembering that I watched it a couple of know? times. Yeah, like I, I watched part okay. of it on a plane. And then like I, right. took a, I landed, I watched another. So I don't really remember it. I could use a rewatch. I could use okay. a rewatch of it. All right. It's interesting. Well, it's an interesting movie. I think good for Halloween. Perfect. Perfect. And so we encourage everybody else to please, please uh, go out make sure you watch that uh, this week uh, so that you can come back and join us on Monday uh, next week for the next episode of the Moonshine Jesus Show. And as always, we thank you for being with us and we'll catch you the next time on the Moonshine Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus Show. Yeah. Moonshine.